Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 20, it's 2014. 2013 was a great year. Happy 2014 to everybody uh, out there. We're so excited. Last year we we had uh, What Does the Fox Say and The Wolf of Wall Street. And this year I'm going to high school. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all seriousness, no, no, in all seriousness, Happy New Year's 2004. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Happy, well, at least we're getting you the four, right? You forgot to put right? your wall stuff up. Oh. Wall. <laughs> the wall's going to be barren with Camille today. Listen, listen, fresh start. 2024 is a fresh start for me. Whoa. Does that mean I should take out down mine? No. What? Oh. What are you a follower? Yeah, I'm a high mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. Tell me what art to put on my wall, and I'll put it on there. Anything. Nope. No. Okay. <laughs> Listen. Happy New Year, 2024. Uh-huh. I'm so excited. We had 2023 was such a good year. It was such a good year. There was a lot of good art. <gasps> there was a lot of good art. And Camille, isn't this a podcast about art? Don't say that ever again. <laughs> um, we are very, very excited to introduce our gallery wrapped 2023. Oh, that was a good way to put it. Thank you. I love Spotify. I love Spotify. <laughs> what are you doing? Why aren't you leaning in to kiss me? New year, new me. What? <laughs> <laughs> this year, my resolution is to kiss my wife less. Yeah. <laughs> What? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Gallery. (laughs) We're doing something, we're doing something a little bit different. A little bit. Stop it. Okay. A little bit. Wait, say, I feel like I should download Discord. For some reason, I feel like I should download Discord. All right, now don't say it again. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's from an Instagram reel, but... This year, we are going to go... Huh? This, this episode, <laughs> The whole year? We are going to go over our favorite art from 2023. Yes. Including uh, some of the favorite art from our followers yes, from we, 2023. Yeah, we put up an Instagram story and we asked people to um, say what their uh, favorite... DM us. <laughs> well, yeah, basically... <laughs> We just asked them to say what their favorite art of 2023 was, and we got some great responses. They're all from people we know personally, which we love. Yep. And um, let's just jump right into it. Oh, <laughs> you go first. Me go first? Uh-huh. Okay, should we start with the stuff on... Yeah. Okay. We got a lot of good stuff here. Um, there's a lot of mentions of Taylor Swift. Obviously. Which we will definitely talk about later, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. There's some music on here. We got we got a couple of people saying Wonka. Wonka? Yeah. We I didn't see it, it though. I Should we it. talk about it even if we haven't seen it? Yeah. Okay. Well, well what can we say about Wonka? It has Timmy Shant. Sh- oh, sh- shoot. It's got sh- Timmy Shallon. Timmy Shallon. Timothy. It's got the guy who presented Game of the Year at the Game Awards. It's got... um. It's got Hugh Grant. We can't just list the actors. Anyway... No, I mean, what can we say about a movie that we haven't seen? It looks like, I don't know, what can you say about, what can you say about the artistic merit of like reboots? Well, listen, I think the hater side of me says that the reason why we got people saying Wonka was the best of the years because it just came out and it was the last movie that they saw. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I'm not which hating. Is <laughs> which is great. Which is great. But from what I've seen from Wonka, it does seem like a really creative and original way to explore Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, it seems like it's kind of a new take because it is an origin mm-hmm. story from what mm-hmm. I understand. And uh, It's a musical. Is it? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Cool. <coughs> well, it's probably great. And <laughs> I think there's... <coughs> Sorry, I was joking. <laughs> Anyway, I think there's something, there's always something really cool. I mean, we always talk about how, like, Hollywood is just remakes and sequels and remasters and reboots nowadays. But I think, like, as tired as we are of those sometimes, I think that, like, they're still cool. Like, it's cool to see this classic character in a new light, in a new story. Exactly. And I think, I mean, this reminds me of Maleficent, too. Mm -hmm. Like, just this, like, everybody has this story in mind, but there's one character that they kind of go a lot deeper with, and I think that's a really interesting route to pursue. Yeah, and I think for better or for worse, it's it's something that people want to see. It's something that movies... I think it's for better. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like some remakes and some reboots are just not good. Like what? Like all of the Disney live-action remakes? I don't know. All right, all right, let's continue. (laughs) Okay, Okay, we didn't see Wonka, but go see it, and um, it's cool to see it's mm. cool to see the man, the myth, the legend, Willie back. Wonkin his no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what else? Um. Okay, yeah, there was a lot of Wonka on here. There's a lot of Across the Spider Verse, but we're gonna talk about that later. Based. There's a song that we haven't listened to. <sighs> How about Hosier's Unreal Unearth? This is from our friend Maddie. And Maddie every Maxfield. everyone else in the world. Because it's the perfect album. Is this the one with his teeth in the dirt? Yeah. Anything like that? Uh-huh. Is that Daisy? Okay. You you kind of introduced... The only thing I knew about Hosier before this year was, take me to church. And then he also showed up at the Game Awards last year. Last, last year, two years ago in 2022. That's crazy. Do you relate every famous person to the Game, year, game Awards? You're gonna be oh, like, you know the you. guy, you know the guy who did Get Out, the guy who was on Game Awards. <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> okay, um, Hosier is Irish. Yeah, he's Irish. He's I from think. that area, and he is a very, very talented artist, a very talented songwriter. He's an extremely talented lyricist. I would, I think, I would. He's like a modern day like Greek poet almost. No, no, that's perfectly said. Yeah, and. and I think this, the thing about him that everybody likes so much is that he has this way of words that, like, it's full of illusions, like a liter- literary illusions. Yeah. And it takes you back to these Greek myths, or it yeah. takes you back to, like, this really, like, mm-hmm. intense and intelligent, like, literature and stuff. Yeah. And so it's it's academic almost to listen to him. Totally. But his the songs themselves are so... I want to say like mystical and ethereal. Like I was going to say like mythical almost. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. He kind of just. It's levitating music. Yeah, he kind of paints these otherworldly pictures when he uses terms like, oh, uh, like, you know, different. Per- what's the line where he talks about? I know it's not from this album, but where he talks about different versions of him buried in the backyard. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. That's just so. I think he uses a lot of striking imagery without using imagery he uses yeah. his words yeah and i think he's really talented at that mm-hmm. i can't pull any out of my head but he's got a lot of great lines 
He's great. I definitely, I definitely would recommend listening to Unreal Unearth by Hosier. Yeah, give it a shot. It's he's got a beautiful voice too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, love that. Love thanks, that album. Thanks for mentioning thanks that, for Maddie. Mentioning That's that. I love that album. Okay, my sister mentioned Spanish horror movie When Evil Lurks was out of this world insane. We didn't see it, but her last line is something that I want to talk about briefly. Foreign art is essential. Mm-hmm. Camille, why do you think foreign art is essential? Because you studied a lot of foreign. <laughs> you you studied a explode. lot of foreign art. Because we absolutely agree with that. That foreign art is two million percent essential. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, there's this thing in film called the two-inch barrier. Okay. And it is the subtitle barrier. And if, ah. if a film is has subtitles on it, then a lot of American audience people will not even give it a second glance because yeah. it's in another, it's in another language and it's anime now. Oh, <laughs> and so, oh my gosh. It's so painful to hear that. <laughs> it's, it's so rewarding to invest in foreign cinema and foreign art, any, anything that is outside of your country's bubble. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that just for America. I'm saying that for other countries, although I, do deeply feel that other countries are a lot better at experiencing foreign foreign art. Yeah. And America is very, very bubbled, very yeah. sheltered in how much like foreign art they're able to consume anyway. Yeah. Cause yeah. like, look at our theaters, they're full of American cinema. Yeah. And if you go to Europe, you'll also see American cinema. <laughs> no, that's true. I, I, th- I feel like foreign film is a bit of a, a novelty. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool, it's an Oscar category. And, and it's going it. to be an art film. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be an art film. But, you know, to, to other people, like it's a novelty and we'd be like, oh, look at this cool African painting. And that's it. And that's it. But to these, to the people that created it, it's art just like, you know, we view it. And something I feel like we forget about is that like some of the biggest pieces of art of all time, like Starry Night, Spirited Away. Um, a lot of Nintendo games. That's all foreign art. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Yeah. So there's foreign art all around us, not just the stuff that we view as just like, oh, artsy and foreign, but like tons of stuff that mm-hmm. like is out there and just as good as American art or the country that you're viewing it in. Mm-hmm. Foreign art is amazing. So if you're looking for a cool New Year's goal, maybe it's to delve more out of your your bubble. Maybe you watch more foreign film. Maybe you look at more foreign, like, paintings and stuff. Totally. Maybe you listen to some Spanish music because, man, Spanish music. Maybe you watch a Ghibli film. Maybe you... Yeah. Yeah, totally. Oh, my gosh. There's a lot of good stuff out there, so don't limit yourself. Yeah, foreign art is essential. Mm -hmm. Thanks. That was a great comment. Okay, cool. Um... Let's see. We didn't get too many like unique ones because a lot of people were just saying the same. Taylor thing. Swift <laughs> and like Spider Verse. Yeah. Um, there was one mentioned. Okay, two more things I want to mention. My boy Xander just said Fortnite. No, he's right. He's right. Even though I have it on record, I haven't notarized that I don't like Fortnite very much. <laughs> you go to the bank and you're like, "Can you notarize this?" Yeah. It's just a piece of paper that says, I don't really like Fortnite <laughs> that much, but I'll still play it from time to time. Yeah. This year, Fortnite released Lego Fortnite, Rocket Racing, f- uh, like Fortnite Rhythm. I forget what it's called. Really? Yeah. Get like a rhythm that. game. It's like a guitar hero. I want to play that. I know. I'm really good at those games. She is really good at those games. But they released all those. And you're thinking like, dang, three different games? Hold on. There are three different games all released in inside Fortnite. Fortnite. So all you need is 
the free game Fortnite, and you can play like a ton of different games. Mm-hmm. I and Jeff at the Game Awards. Oh my gosh! Said <laughs> that Fortnite is becoming in a, a full on platform. No longer just a which, game. No longer just a game, which is kind of crazy and yeah. kind of scary that games are not just becoming like what it, it's just one game on a cartridge or or just one game on a download that one game can house like a million different games. And we've seen that before with like Roblox. Roblox is like a platform that houses games rather than just a game. Mm-hmm. But now Fortnite is making it like so much more mainstream. Mm-hmm. Is this, is it right to say that's like something like if you had Minecraft, but they suddenly included like a racing course, like a Mario Kart section in Minecraft? Yeah, totally. It's crazy. <laughs> and that's the thing is like Minecraft, even a, even itself has like something called Minecraft Marketplace where you can download all these mods. So Minecraft itself is kind of starting to become a platform. Cool. And it's difficult to like, it's difficult to like really pinpoint exactly what that means for the future of gaming. Like, mm-hmm. is there just going to be one game that like everybody plays eventually and just houses a bunch <laughs> of games? Has every game like, in it? Yeah, but it's, even though I, it's not my cup of tea, Fortnite is, is doing something really special and they're doing it for free. Yeah, that's really cool. And they're just breaking some new ground that's never really been broken before. It's been treaded on, but never broken. And, and they're doing something really special. And a lot, of, and it's famous for a reason. A lot of people like it. Yeah. So if you haven't played Fortnite, try it. Yeah. Maybe there's a game in there that you like now. And, for, and Fortnite didn't come out this year. But oh, no. But <laughs> I think the reason it was mentioned here was... It's, it's bigger it, and bigger now. Because it blew up yeah. this year a lot. Yeah. Plus, I think it's worth mentioning that Fortnite this year had an event... And that's the thing is like it's a, it's Fortnite is what's called a live service game, which means there it's continually getting updates. So you download it once and then you get experience new stuff all the time, which mm-hmm. is also really novel. Like the rock skin. Like the rock skin and like the Peter Griffin skin. That's not <laughs> a joke. You can play as Peter Griffin in Fortnite. Anyways, uh, what was I saying? Um, they had an event this year um, as part of their live service where they brought back the very first map that they had ever in Fortnite, like, like back in 2017. Oh, I heard about that. And it was the highest play, player count they had that year. So it's kind of cool how they can do stuff like that, how they can have these specific events where they bring back nostalgia. And they have so much creative control. And I think what they're doing is really special, That's even awesome. if I don't like it very much. <laughs> <laughs> A little hater, maybe you need to go in and play Fortnite Rhythm. I listen. I only play Fortnite when they bring in the Spider-Man webs because I like playing. I like wow, man, Spider-Man. <laughs> Didn't even play Spider-Man Two, McKay. That's because we don't have a PlayStation Five, and also, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no. Is there? Are there one more? One more. I have to talk about this movie because this was like the biggest surprise to me this year. Past Lives. Oh. Is is Past Lives a foreign film? Yeah. Yeah. What? It yeah. Is. <laughs> well, okay. That's that was a stupid question, but. Um, wow. We watched Past Lives one night just on a whim. Isn't we, that your number one? No, this year? number two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Number, so number okay, one's across the spider. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, should have known. Um, Past Lives is about um, two kids who have a crush. They kind of, they kind of fall in love in that, like, kid way, I think. Um, and it's all under this notion of, what is it called? In Yun. It's a Korean thing mm-hmm. where it's like fate brought you together or something. And so they're kind of under that that cultural um, notion of that when they have this little crush. Eventually they grow up, they go their separate ways. Um, the boy becomes really successful and the girl actually moves to America 
very, at a very young age and grows up there and marries someone else. And you start talking about it now because that, this is all new to me. I forgot the whole movie. <laughs> and so I'm like, Oh no, what but basically happens? they start to reconnect and <laughs> you think like spoilers, you think that like they're going to reconnect and it's going to be this perfect love story. And they're going to get rid of their husband. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of, the film explores this really well because it kind of shows them both fighting between this notion of like in Yun of like, this is the person you were meant to be with. And what does that really mean? And like going your own path and like being with somebody else that fate like or like destiny like didn't have you be with in the first yeah, place. Yeah. Anyway, it is like beautiful and, and devastating and like heart wrenching, but it is so beautiful and it is so like it's so well written. Mm-hmm. And it really makes you think, like, what does, like, destiny in terms of, like, the person that you end up with really mean? Mm-hmm. Beautifully said. Thank you. Sorry, I kind of went <laughs> on there. I'm so passionate about this film. I, I think, well, I, I forgot the whole movie. But <laughs> the one thing that I remembered was that it reminded me of La La Land in a very yeah, particular way. La La Land kind of explores that, too. It explores this idea of, like, fate and love and everything like yeah. that. But what I remember specifically from La La Land and past lives is that they somehow have the ability to portray very intense and very unique feelings that you don't get a lot of other places. Yeah. And so like I'm thinking about in La La Land when they're sitting on that bench and she's about to move away and he's about to go somewhere else. They're like really about to break up, but they're still in love and they're just kind of in this we can sit here for now and now is okay kind of moment. Yeah. And like right before a big change is about to happen, that's a kind of feeling that is very hard to experience, especially totally. like um, made for you, you know, synthetic almost. Yeah, yeah. But you really feel it in La La Land. And yeah. I feel, I felt that often or like many times watching past lives, this feeling of like, you don't get it a lot of other places. And I think it did that mm-hmm. beautifully. Like it was just, it was an experience of a film and I would yeah. recommend it to everybody. Please go see past lives. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite thing about it is just that the guy that the woman ends up with her American name's Nora. So I'll, I'll refer to her as Nora, but the, the man that Nora ends up with their relationship isn't really that exciting. It's not the greatest love story ever told. They kind of, they go on this like photography retreat or something and they kind of meet up and they kind of just like get married and they talk about this with each other and they eventually the message is displayed where they, even though like their love story is not like the most amazing thing ever told, it's still a love story and they can still have, it's still meaningful. It's still valid. You know, even if it's still worth fighting for. Exactly. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. Past Lives is amazing. So good. It's oh so my good. gosh, Past Lives is so good. It's the second best film of the year. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. <laughs> that was from my sister, Emma. Awesome. I think that's it for Instagram. Thank you for sharing those with us. Mm-hmm. We love you all. Mm-hmm. Um, great stuff this year. Dang. And if you think of any more that we need to see, please let us know. Please let us know. If you got another Past Live up your sleeve, we want to hear about it. Yeah, for sure. Past Lives is like a live action Ghibli film. That's what I was thinking about when. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's shot beautifully too. Oh, I could talk about it forever. Yeah, we we got stuff to talk about. Past Lives was amazing. Okay, so now let's go into kind of our yeah, favorites totally. of the year. Um, we both chose three, 
And this is the first time that we actually told each other beforehand, before filming, yep. what our three are. Just because... just because <laughs> We didn't want to have the same ones. Yeah. Well, also, the reason for that is we didn't do any research this time. This is all just from our heads. Mm-hmm. So I did research. Mm-hmm. Only because I, I, <laughs> I love to have cool statistics. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do a lot of research. Okay, good. <laughs> You're so cute. You, um, go, you go first. Oh, my gosh. I forgot mine, I think, because oh, I didn't really the, write them huh? down. The first one I want to talk about is... Wait, are you going in like three, like your top three? This is your third? Should we do that? Yeah, that's I don't. Re- I don't really have them ranked, though. All right. Well, mine are. Let's talk about an artist that I kept seeing this year. Every time I opened my Instagram art account, I saw this person and I followed them. And I think they're amazing. <laughs> they are... Excuse me, I got a... Okay, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation of their name. It is Alley, Alley, or Alley. I'm just going to call her Alley or Ali. Uh-huh. I'm so sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. Um, Ali uh, Ganuza, or... I'm this, is, this is bad. <laughs> Ali Ganuza, okay? Okay. She's a painter um, on Instagram, and the reason I chose her is because of her color usage. Hmm. Um, I'm just going to show a couple images right now. Audio listeners, just look over to the episode art. But that's the kind of stuff that she does. I've seen her stuff. Haven't you seen her stuff? No, I've seen her stuff. Yeah. Like, um, let's find a good one here. What medium does she use? I think it's oils and acrylics. Wow. But like, man, look at that. <clears throat> So she does primarily, it looks like she does like still lifes. Um, Who knew that still lifes could be so colorful and vibrant yeah, man. and like, saturated? Look at this one. Okay, the one that we're looking on right there. Okay, this is one I want to talk about. This is a still life of an open ketchup bottle and a mustard bottle. Which I, I'm sure audio listeners right now are like, like, wow, sounds great. Like, what the frick? <laughs> but like, when I tell you that this is like has some of the most vibrant and unique color usage mm-hmm. I've ever seen, it is amazing. It really captures like the feeling of like sunlight coming through a window yeah. and just like she just cranked it up. Yeah. And it looks amazing. It's beautiful. It's but so there's beautiful. a very vibrant and saturated purple background of very many different colors of purple. Yeah. And there's like this gleam coming off of both bottles. Like like yeah. sunlight is shining directly off of it. Yeah. And you can even see like the reflection of the red of the ketchup bottle yeah. like reflecting onto the table. That's and, beautiful. And to do this non-digitally, yeah. Like is so tough. Like and Oh, her reference yeah, picture. There's a picture of her reference. <clears throat> and she just Oh, she just uses colors so incredibly. Beautiful. She has a picture of a golden bow, and like this a golden is... Christmas bow. Look at that, man. Wow. Like, you know that's gold. Like, when you look at it, it's gold. It's just like a gold Christmas bow. Jeez. But there's, there's like, a hundred different, different colors yeah. in there. And it looks in, like, in, uh, oh, my gosh, it looks phenomenal. This, this reminds me of your, your mom gave us an acrylic painting of a picture of our wedding. Yeah. And I'm wearing a white dress in the wedding, yeah. like in, in the picture, but the, I don't know where it was. Our, in our <laughs> it, but my dress, the way that she painted it, <clears throat> it has like a million different colors in it. Yeah, like totally. it's, it's beautiful. And I feel like that's, that's the, the artist ability to, to pull out all of those colors and still make it look exactly like the thing they're going for. Insane. Yeah. I think with artists, there's a bit of a, 
there's a bit of an obsession with the reference. Like, oh, you got to stay on the reference, which you can do, and that's totally great. But in my experience, when you use the reference as scaffolding mm-hmm. rather than your finished product, it makes it so much better. You know what's there in the reference, and then you can take the reference and be like, okay, this is there. I'm going to twist it in this way, or I'm going to do this way. So with Ali and with my mom, it's clear that they take the reference and they look at it and they do their own thing with it. Yeah. And in this case, it's it's the color usage. I mean, in real life, <clears throat> this Christmas bow is not that saturated, right? <laughs> yeah. But Ali, Ali captures the way that looking at a Christmas bow would feel. It's just a gold bow, but it has green and purple and, and, and yeah. red and yeah. black. In, in in like exaggerating the colors so much, she really makes it like feel like yeah. you're just looking at like a really beautiful Christmas bow. And let me bring up La La Land again, because like <laughs> in film, there's this, this is quote from, it was either Stanley Kubrick or someone else, but Stanley Kubrick says, said, um, you don't photograph the reality. You photograph the photograph of the reality. And basically what I interpret that as is if you want to, if you want to portray an emotion like love, you don't actually portray what love is like in real life. You portray like in La La Land, like dancing through like a galaxy and like music swelling. Mm-hmm, Cause that's mm-hmm. what it feels like. Yeah. And that's, what's going to make it like, that's, what's going to portray it really effectively. Obviously it's not the only way to portray reality, but it's a very effective way. Yeah. And I really think that that's what Ali's doing right here. She is showing you, she's doing that impressionist thing where she shows you how it feels and oh, it's just amazing. So that's beautiful. Some of my favorite art that I saw this year. Like at, literally every time I open Instagram, like a new painting of hers would be there. And I'm like, oh man, it looks so good. I've like, saved some of her paintings. Oh, They're yeah, mind blowing. Absolutely impeccable. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Okay. You do your number three. Okay. <laughs> I think my third most favorite thing of this whole year was Across the Spider-Verse. Oh, that's your, that was your favorite thing ever? Third. Okay. Third favorite uh-huh. thing? Holy frick. Um, Across the Spider-Verse. <laughs> Oh man, what do we freaking say I about can it? Say, all I okay, this is what I'll say. When I went in, I think I think me and my sisters, we kind of have this thing against Spider-Man, honestly, because I I just knew a lot of freaking nerds who were really weird about Spider-Man growing yeah. up. Yeah, oh man. And I always thought it was very like at Tobey Maguire and stuff, and I didn't really care for it. I yeah. thought Spider-Man was kind of like a little kid hero. Mhm. And then I saw Into the Spider-Verse, and I said, oh my gosh, this art style is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I was really into it. I loved the vibe and the culture and the music, and just the entire presentation of the movie was mind-blowing. And I was like, great, I would love to see a second one. And so when I went in and I sat down in the theater, I you know, I had really high expectations Everybody of this did. movie. Yeah. yeah. And especially oh, with things like Puss in Boots coming out, and like I, I don't know this like art style that Mitchell's versus the machines Mitchell's versus yeah. machines this this leaning away from 3D animation into like this very stylized 2D animation almost yeah making things not look photorealistic and yeah. actually using the medium of animation how it should be used and doing unique things <laughs> I won't get on my soapbox now but sounded like a soapbox <laughs> but sitting down and just seeing like that very opening scene with Gwen and her dad and all those colors. Oh my gosh. I, forgot I, about, I, for, I completely forgot about dude, the opening. I transcended, man. I that left this realm. alone was crazy. <laughs> I, I 
sat there and I don't think this has happened to me very often. It happened to me in La La Land. (laughs) (laughs) But I sat there knowing that I was watching a work of art. Yeah. I felt the exact same way in the theater. There were moments where I was just like, blown away like dune worm level moments <laughs> yeah, where you're just you like see the sandworm. you just hear the sounds and you see the visuals uh-huh. and you're like holy frick this is cinema yeah yeah and just how fun it was how well paced it was the um, incredible character designs and the amount of characters in it and yeah. obviously all of the work that went into this film oh, by yeah. hundreds of animators and mm-hmm. all of these years it's just it is, we're lucky to have it in we like our so realm. Lucky to have it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It just does so much right. It, it proves that animation is just, it takes animation, it takes its possibilities and it just freaking runs with it mm-hmm. and does so many different things that really make the storytelling so effective. Mm-hmm. It really explores a message of like, I will say that across the Spider-Verse, across the Spider-Verse is a two towers where it's kind of the middle one in a trilogy that is meant to move things along more than like really like mm. pose something mm-hmm. and it still poses something and it's still excellent, mm-hmm. but it is like, you want the third one. I really want the third one is what <laughs> I'm saying. And so I think that's something that across the spider verse does so well is it moves the story. I think practically everything and anything that the first movie introduced The second one builds on, and it Mm -hmm. builds that world. Mm -hmm. And, oh, it's just... They they trust their audience. Yeah, they trust their audience. It literally feels like those creators, like the artists, I I love the soundtrack, the animators, the producers, everyone involved, I feel like they knelt down and they gave me a gift, and that gift was Spider-Verse. Yeah, it's a premier example of people realizing the weight of something they're they're making and the potential of something they're making. Yeah. They knew what they could do with animation. They know what they can do with Spider-Man and the the deep themes and messages that are attached to that character. And they really totally gave it their all. And it shows. Mm-hmm. It really oh does. Oh my gosh, Across the Spider-Verse is amazing. I'm really hoping and praying it gets a Best Picture nomination, <laughs> but I know it won't. No, it's animated. It's for kids. Okay, but for real... <laughs> Well, earlier when you shared that Spider-Man story, are you saying that you thought that something was dumb and lame and for kids and then you gave it a shot and then you found out that it was really cool and epic and has worth? Yes. If you or a loved Mm. one has ever experienced these feelings. (laughs) (laughs) No, we don't want to get preachy, but um, holy frick, what a great movie. Beautiful. Okay, is it my turn for my number number two? two. Yeah. Okay, what was my number two? I didn't even write down anything. Dude, I literally forgot. Actually, I wrote no notes except for my number one. Okay. Okay. Um, I think my number two has to be, oh my gosh, it's a constant fight for Resident Evil 4 and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Mm. Okay. Holy frick, 2023 was probably the best year for games. Like I'm good. Like I played so, we played so many cool things this year. Do you want to hear the top three? best-selling games I think we should do that all at the end. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I just kind of okay. wrap it up. Okay, that's cute. Um, but I think as excellent and as absolutely amazing as The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom was, I want to talk about Resident Evil 4. Do it. So Resident Evil 4 from 2023 is a remake of a game that came out in 2005, I think, or 2004. Mm-hmm. I think it was 2005. Scary, stressful game. But it's a survival, it's a survival horror game, which means that you are surviving. You don't, you, you're not necessarily like 
using upgrades and like power ups, you're kind of rationing the things that you, you that you like. Pick you're, up. you're not progressing. You're just constantly <laughs> out of bullets. No, really, you're you're really trying to like you're trying to survive. And so what this game does so well is it is a shooting game. There is shooting in it, but it limits you so much. Like really all you can do is like walk forward and shoot (laughs) and like sometimes use your knife and sometimes kick your enemies. But you still have this feeling of progression. But you still have this feeling of progression and you still have this feeling of like, um, like dread and like helplessness Mm -hmm. because it compensates for the, you, you might be hearing like slow movement. All you can do is walk and shoot and like barely run. That sounds freaking dumb. And I get that. But when you, but the way that the game is designed is it throws enemies at you that compensate for that lack of movement. So your limited controls and movement are what makes it so scary. Mm-hmm. Like there's this guy like walking at you and you can't really do much. You can't run away. You can't like slide past him. You can't like dodge him like an Elden Ring. You have to just kind of take it. Isn't that what I said when I played it? I was like, where's the dodge button? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You kind of just have to like, you really have to kind of face everything that comes towards you. And whether that's running away or shooting him or like using like something tactical, you really have to use survival tactics to get past enemies in this game. Like nothing like... There's few enemies that run at you like insanely fast and there's few situations where you'll need a lot of movement. But it just it's the ultimate example of less is more. Mm-hmm. It it gives you like sorry, whoops, I bumped the mic. It gives you like mechanics and how to move. It like presents how you move in a way. Let me say that again. It says here's how you move. You're very limited. And here's just the right amount of challenge for you. Here's the perfect like speed and enemy type to make you kind of freak out and like really hone in and like conquer them. Mm-hmm. And it is, I don't know, it, it's, it's like when I think of power in a video game, I think of Elden Ring and like Metroid Dread where you have a ton of upgrades and a ton of like items and you can like do crazy magical things. And power, like a feeling of power comes from that for sure. But I think there's a feeling of power in Resident Evil where it it like it throws a couple enemies at you and you really have to be like, okay, Frick, how do I like get past this? Yeah. And you manage to do it and you kind of go like, oh, it makes you feel really good. Yeah. It's yeah. relieving and you and you feel like, okay, gotta keep moving forward. And you feel awesome. Yeah. So that's, that, I feel like that's that's the immersion point of it. Totally. Like, I feel like it's it is a remake. And so there was the... It's a very faithful remake, I will say. Yeah, there was this game before that does all of the things that you're saying it did. Yeah. But I feel like the reason that it's so much better is that it's very easy to get lost in this game. Yeah. There's, there's so many little details, like the sound design and just the mm-hmm. world around you and, and the the places that you're allowed to go. It makes you feel... And, of course, the gameplay, like you explained, yeah. it makes you feel like you're there and you're fighting for your life, yeah. which is, you know, something that only video games can really do for you. Yeah, honestly. Every, it feels like every game is like open world. Like we got an open world Mario with Bowser's Fury and Zelda and Elden Ring and Red Dead 2 and, and Starfield. Are you every and... open world game you've ever <laughs> played? It feels like everything needs to be bigger and bigger and bigger. But I think Resident Evil 4 proves that a very guided, toned down experience can still be incredibly impactful. Well said. Thank you. That's cool. Oh, oh my gosh, I love that game. 
Oh, good. I cannot say enough good things about Resident Evil 4. I'm glad. I think when you first picked it up, I was like, e scary game. Yeah. And then I tried to play it, and I swore a lot, so... Yeah, you did swear a lot. It's a hard game. But it's freaking... I was on easy mode, too. Hey, I was on easy mode, too. Thanks. Yeah. It makes me feel better. Okay, do yours. Speaking of easy mode, my number two... <laughs> I know what your number two is. No. It's Baldur's Gate. <laughs> All right. Baldur's Gate 3 won Game of the Year. It won Game of the Year. And oh my gosh. I've mentioned it a couple times on the podcast because it has taken up 75 hours of my life so far. Yeah. And that's not a lot compared to everyone else. So I'm not crazy. You know when you watch Lord of the Rings or even read Lord of the Rings or when you watch Star Wars and you just feel like immersed in the world? <laughs> like you can look at a character and be like, oh, what's like, oh, you know they have like whole backstory and there's a whole elvish language. That is Baldur's Gate in video game form. Mm -hmm. There's so much to say about Baldur's Gate and obviously I can't say it all here, but... For those of you who don't know, it's... Baldur's Gate 3, by the way. Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> Not one or two. <laughs> we never is, played them. <laughs> um, it's a, like a, almost a D&D &D game. Like, yeah. it, you have to roll dice for your movement, and you get to know different NPCs, like, in a very deep level. Yeah. It's, it's not just killing zombies. Yeah. I'm not dumbing down. <laughs> I'm not dumbing down. It's Resident not just Evil. killing down. Yeah. Mine's interesting. <laughs> um... It's, it's, it's exact genre is a character RPG. This is McKay who's currently editing the episode. Baldur's Gate 3 is actually a computer RPG rather than a character RPG. I saw CRPG and assumed it stood for character, but through later research, I found out it was computer. That being said, Baldur's Gate 3 is still very character focused. Thought that was an important correction to make. On with the episode. And when you hear that, just think D&D. &D. It's very focused on the characters and your relationships with them. And the world is fleshed out in this kind of choose-your-own-adventure way. Mm -hmm. The game takes into account so many things. There's like, I think there's 250 epilogues that you can get depending yeah. on the choices that you make. Yeah. And there, I just, the thing that really makes me want to fall down and cry over this game is that the amount of choice that you're given and totally. the amount of consequence that is available to you. Good yeah. and bad consequences. Exactly. Do you want to continue? What are you trying to say? Well, I was going to say that to me, that's what makes Baldur's Gate and a lot of other games feel truly alive. Yeah. Like Baldur's Gate may not have like the most realistic graphics or the most like oh yeah in depth like I don't know like you can't like there's still like like certain paths that you have to go on. It's not like a Bethesda game where every item is 3D modeled and there's all yeah. this freaking stuff. <laughs> it's it feels alive because of how thought out like the characters are and how much work was put into it yeah because it takes into account like the race i chose and the class i chose and the characters of my party and the items in my, in my inventory that's what makes it feel alive to me and realistic to me rather than like oh there's like a cup on a desk that you can pick up and that was this guy's cup and i don't know like <laughs> i'm having trouble explaining it but it feels like it's it's quality over quantity mm -hmm. rather than like pushing just like a ton of crap in your in the game and that being said, there is a lot of stuff in There's that game. There's a lot of stuff in that game. But it just feels like it's focused so much more on like the quality of the choices that you make rather than like how much stuff there mm -hmm. is in the world. Mm -hmm. And I will say the thing that that I am the most shocked about and that I haven't played really a game like this is that it applauds 
every decision that yeah. you make, even if the consequences are very bad. Yeah. And so yeah. It, it will encourage you almost to play this really righteous, good run where you're nice to all of the innocents and you do every good thing in the world. Like you'll get certain characters liking you more and you'll get mm-hmm. more like items that way. But you can also go this despairingly evil route and you're totally both breaker paladin and you're yeah. doing the dirge route or whatever. And it's like, it's this, you're being totally evil. You're making all these decisions where I feel like in other games, it would be like, oh, you're bad now. Like in Skyrim, you're bad now, you steal, and so everybody's going to be mad at you. Or in Red Dead Redemption, you're bad now, you stole, so you get a bounty on your head. You get yeah. consequences. And that's kind of There it. are consequences in Baldur's Gate, but it also they is good consequ- so consequences for okay, it. Okay, yeah. And so like, if you do something evil, then it'll be like, you did good here. Here's an extra prize that you never would have gotten in your good route. Yeah. And so I've just, I've never felt that kind of freedom, like, like ethically almost in a game <laughs> where I can just, I can truly be rewarded to pursue any kind of route I want and to explore these different characters that I can even make up in my own head. It's amazing. It's a yeah. huge experience. I think that's what I was trying to get at earlier when I said that that's what makes the world feel alive to me is the, is the consciousness it has for your choices. Mm-hmm. And the freedom, you know, in a game, like, that's what makes me feel like it's alive is when you do this, like, it respects that and it knows Mm -hmm. that you made that choice and it knows and it takes into account who you are and and who you've talked to and what's in your inventory when you make that choice. And that's what makes it feel alive to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me, that's what makes worlds feel most alive, like in Breath of the Wild or even Tears of the Kingdom, like... When I, like in Starfield, when I go up to ice and I can't break it with my gun, that immediately takes me out of the world. Uh-huh. But like, even though Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, they might not be the most realistic games, but the fact that it respects my choice as a player so much makes it feel truly alive. And totally. that's what makes worlds feel so rich in games, I think. I, do, I definitely agree. And Baldur's Gate just does it so well. Yeah. I think I saw a lot of people complaining this that like, Baldur's Gate 3 one game of the year because they were like there's no like action like all you do is just like move your characters around and roll dice and stuff and it's like why is that not valid okay it is action well that's what I'm saying it's like but they're they're they were comparing it to like Spider-Man 2 and like Uh, like real time like real time Mm -hmm. action and it's like why does like do we immediately throw out like chess when football exists right no we don't (laughs) like they're two both they're two valid forms of competition mm-hmm. and Baldur's Gate and Spider-Man 2 are two valid forms of gameplay and Baldur's Gate 3 won game of the year because it's incredibly refined and addictive and fun. Mm-hmm. I think it, if I had any game, you know how they're like, if you could take one movie to a deserted island and watch it for the rest of your life, that would be, Baldur's Gate would be my game. That's a good, yeah. Mostly because I feel like a lot of games you can play and then replay and like in resident evil or something, you just replay the same game yeah. and you go through the same things. Yeah. I think if I even tried to play Baldur's gate again, the exact same way I couldn't. Yeah. Because there's, there's just so many ways you can go about it. Yeah. I could and play the dice game. rolls. I could play it for the rest of my life and yeah. always play a new game. You probably will. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Baldur's gate three. Wow. So amazing. Great game. Kay. So great. Give me your number three. I mean, your number one, my number one, your top, Art of the year. My top art of the year? Dude, I can't remember what it was, genuinely. What? I think it was... I think it was Tears of the Kingdom, but I also think it was <laughs> Spider-Verse. Oh! This is why we take notes. Okay, this isn't my number one. I should have said Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4 is my number one. Okay. For, like, the art that I want to talk about. Uh, what's your number two? Barbie. Oh! 
Now, a lot of people are going to hear Barbie and they're going to groan because there's a lot to say Ugh, about Barbie. The girl movie? I don't want to talk about that necessarily. <laughs> I want to talk about the impact of this movie. Like, I don't want to talk about the messages necessarily just because everybody has a lot to say and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Even though I think it's important. But the two things I want to focus on under this movie are, one, this movie is a masterclass in costume and set design. Like, yeah. in an in a, in, in a age of Hollywood where entire movies are, filled, are filmed completely on blue screen, which isn't an objectively bad thing. Yeah, which is definitely an art form in its, in yeah. its own. But Barbie comes out and it shows... We can make the dream house. You can make the dream house. And this super unique set mm -hmm. that shows that, like, the practicality of it and the fact that they really just went all in and, and made it look real, mm -hmm. it totally like perfectly adds to the satire of the film and the look of it. Mm -hmm. So, and the costume design, I mean, it's Barbie, like Barbie has How amazing could you outfits. Not? Yeah. yeah. And just the makeup and it feels like they're making a Barbie movie and they didn't want to cut any corners and they made it totally like, mm -hmm. a, like the way that Barbie like drinks milk and there's no milk in there, the way that she takes a shower and there's no water. I mean, it just adds to the satire. It adds to the message. It's so good. Um, do you have anything you want to add? Um, just, I totally agree. Yeah. It's, I think that we need to talk a little bit more about, so, I mean, everybody, when they see a movie, they're like, the cinematography was amazing. And it's always about the directing or the cinematography usually. Yeah. But I feel like so many people forget like just basic production design and totally. how much work is put into the set designers and the kinds of colors that they include on set. Yeah. Like I was on a film set where we were filming in a, uh, gas station and the production designers, like our set designers, they took out all of the candies that had the wrong color because we only wanted like warm colors. Totally. And so they took out all the blues. And I'm sure nobody noticed, but it added to the whole feel of the film. And I don't think anybody really realizes how much work and love and yeah. passion goes into the job of a, of a set designer. And you mentioned cinematography. I feel like cinematography, we, we hear that word and we only think of like, oh, how cool a shot looks. But there's a lot more that goes into making a shot look cool than just yeah, like the yeah. movement of a camera. It's the set design, it's lighting, it's coloring, and... It's, yeah, the color grading yeah. over it, yeah. Yeah, and Barbie leads with that. It's beautiful. They did a great job making that movie look the way it does. The production quality was over the roof. And yeah. it's fun to see movies that, like, like Across the Spider-Verse, like we talked about, that just are passionate about creating art. Yeah. And the other thing I want to mention about Barbie is... I can't mention this aspect of Barbie without mentioning Barbie's other half, Oppenheimer. Oh, I thought you were going to say Ken. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I will say that the Ken stuff in the, in the movie is so good. Mm -hmm. but um, Oppenheimer. The whole Barbenheimer thing that happened this year is just, if Barbie alone is a masterclass in set design, then Barbenheimer is a masterclass in audience in participatory engagement. Yeah. And just the way that like internet culture and like meme culture can aid in it was like the a success whole, of a movie. It was like a whole different marketing like yeah. schema. And it was all 100% made up by, by fan led. Yeah. Greta Gerwig and Christopher Nolan never did like, as far as I can tell, anything to promote Barbenheimer. They, they got on their like spam account and they did a secret like, they were the first ones. <laughs> they, They're like, Barbenheimer, it'll yeah, be cool. They, they were going to do it secretly. <laughs> no, but like, I think the most that like was ever done to like buy Greta Gerwig or Chris Nolan to like promote Barbenheimer was 
Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie posted a picture with them holding Oppenheimer tickets. And that was it. (laughs) But everything else was the audience creating Uh this event of these two completely opposite movies, combining them. And like... You know how many... Man. Go ahead. So, like, seeing a, a cinematic event like that since COVID of people going to the theaters mm-hmm. and having fun and dressing up, like, that cinema, dude. That's, like, it's, it's so, so uplifting. It's so fun. There's something special about the, the theatrical experience of seeing, like, a, a, a movie that came out and dressing up for it. Yeah. I know, like, with Despicable Me, everyone went in suits or whatever. Yeah. The young uns went in A bunch suits. of cosplayers went as, like, the animatronics when the FNAF movie came yeah. out. Yeah. And it's, it's fun to go to a theater and see a movie with people around you who are all excited to see the same thing. Yeah. And I know theaters are struggling in their own ways and stuff, and people are like, I don't want to hear people cry during the movie. Yeah. Um, but... It's but just so fun. The, it, thank you, internet, for being yeah. so weird and like unintentionally amazing yeah. to kind of revitalize the excitement of cinema and seeing things in person. Please go see movies in person. Yeah. Please go to theaters. Perfect. So that's all I have to say about Barbie. Thank you. Yeah. That was good. I'm glad you brought it up. Thank you. It was, it was kind of a cultural touchstone. Oh, yeah, totally. I yeah. think it's one of the best films of the year. Great. Okay, my number one. We have to talk about this. My number one. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. (laughs) Okay, listen. Obviously. Like, obviously. Like, there's a lot to say about Barbie. Everybody's got something to say about Taylor Swift. Whether, Mm -hmm. whatever you have to say about her, you cannot deny the impact that she had. Mm -hmm. She is Times Person of the Year. Yeah. Um, I think when, so, obviously, the, the biggest thing that happened surrounding Taylor Swift this year was the Eras tour mm-hmm. where she kind of went on this tour and she celebrated her entire discography mm-hmm. and her entire journey journey. It was like Taylor Swift Endgame, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really was. I didn't get to see it live. You got to see it live. I did. What can you say about it? Um, I have a lot of statistics that okay. I want to bring up. Okay. But first of all, I, I do want to talk about the concert, seeing it live. I've always been a fan of Taylor Swift and I have friends and and family who have been recent fans of Taylor Swift or including who, me or who don't even like Taylor Swift right now. Yeah. And I just man, I don't even know how to explain like the energy of this concert that I yeah. was able to attend. And yeah. I can't believe I was able to attend it, you know. Yeah. That was crazy. I know. Yeah. <laughs> the Eras tour like I've been to several concerts before. Like I've seen 21 Pilots, I've seen Amanda Dragons. And <laughs> I I love obviously the feeling of singing, screaming the music that you love and you know all the words to with a ton of other people and just kind of feeling the bass in your chest, you know, like yeah. a concert is a magical experience. Yeah, totally. It's just amazing. And seeing it with so many people and all of us screaming these little inside jokes to Taylor and seeing her do the inside jokes and just being a part of this huge world, it's like it's religious dude it is it is so so special yeah i didn't get to see the tour uh, era's tour i'm not the biggest taylor swift fan but i enjoy a lot of her music i think something that i appreciate about the era's tour is the art of performance Mm -hmm. because i think taylor swift has a really interesting power in the music industry where she can she can kind of do whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. And luckily she is the type of person who will do the right thing. But 
she like she went all out for the Ares tour is what I'm trying to say and she was able to do so and I didn't get to see it live but I saw the movie mm-hmm. the 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 concert movie that um released this year and just the way that she oh my gosh the sets and the production and all of the like pyrotechnics and and all of the effects made for an incredible experience even on the big screen and um I just appreciate Taylor's ability to to put on a concert with so many people and acknowledge them and make sure that they are just as much of a star as she is to the best of her ability. And I think what I'm trying to say is just like, it was an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. And Taylor has the capability to make it an amazing experience. I don't think I know one single woman in my whole life or man who could get up there for like three hours and do it all in heels and not break a sweat. And, and oh, she does break but, records. And yeah, break records. Just her her performance ability is incredible to watch. Yeah. And the amount of effort that was put in by her like her concert team. designers, her yeah. team, even, you know, the truckers that trucked her stuff, everything like that. Yeah. It's just, it was totally an experience that I'll never forget. And totally. it was a huge touchstone of, of my 2023. Yeah. And so I brought with me a couple of facts about Taylor Swift's year because mm-hmm. it's been a very big year. Yeah. For her. I'm going to put this up here. Why don't you, um, okay, here's what, why don't you list the Taylor Swift facts Kay. and then you list the 2023 facts. Okay. And then we'll kind of do a little quick lightning round where we mention a few other things that we love this year. I forgot everything. Okay. Okay. And, but we'll do it anyways. But. <laughs> okay. Okay. So um, Taylor Swift was the most streamed artist okay. on Spotify and Apple Music. Makes sense. Um, Speak Now's release was, re-release, was her 12th album to top the Billboard charts, making her the woman with the most number one albums in history. Wow. Um, she had the highest grossing concert film of all time and the highest growing co- grossing concert. There's a couple of numbers that go between Elton John's concert and hers, right. but most numbers have her coming out on top. Amazing. Um, she became a billionaire this year. No way. Making her the first billionaire to do it solely through music sales and performances. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Forbes says that she's the, mo- the fifth most fa- powerful woman in the world. And that she boosted the U.S. economy by more than $5 billion. That's insane. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the first ar- artist to occupy the entire top 10 of the Billboard hits. Okay. And Time Magazine's Person of the Year, obviously. But she's the first honoree to be selected for their achievements in the arts. Good for her. I know. Yeah. And so I just, I'm very happy for Taylor Swift. I'm glad it's such a year for her. And I'm, uh, I'm very excited and happy to be a part of her little yeah. fandom. <laughs> yeah. And as someone who, as someone who like isn't the biggest Taylor Swift fan, as someone who doesn't care for some of her songs, as, as someone who is just a passive enjoyer, I appreciate who she is. I appreciate what she's doing, even if she's not like number one in my eyes. Right. I think she makes great music. I think her lyrics are just incredible. Her performance, her performances are just mind blowing. Yeah. And she's like a good person. Yeah. Like genuinely, I think she's a good person. Yeah. And so it's just, that was definitely my number one for this year. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let okay. Me give let's you some wrap stats. it up with some, with some stats. Um, okay. On music, the most streamed songs, like individual songs okay. on Spotify were number one, Flowers by Miley Cyrus. Okay. Number really? Th- that was number one? Yeah. Wow. Number two was Kill Bill by SZA. Oh, by SZA. SZA. <laughs> uh, 
Number three was As It Was by Harry Styles. Nice. Mm-hmm. I would. And that's not something to forget, too. This, this is my lightning round, is yeah. that Harry Styles had a great tour this year as well. Oh, yeah. Love on tour. So many artists did so well this mm-hmm. year. Okay, for our for the U.S. domestic box office Kay. for movies. Um, number one. And if you don't know what the box office is, this is movies that made the most money. Yeah. In ticket sales. Uh-huh. Um, number one was Barbie. Nice. Number two was the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yep. And number three was Oppenheimer, right? Nope. Number three was Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Number four was Garden, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 4, no 3. Way. Oh, this is U.S. domestic. I was thinking uh-huh. worldwide. And number five is Oppenheimer. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Great. All great movies in yeah. their own ways. And then it was pretty hard to find the top selling games because the there's funky statistics on that. Yeah. But from what I gathered, it looks like number one is Hogwarts Legacy. That was makes sense. the top selling. Ha- yeah, Harry Potter. Number two was Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Oh. And number three was Tears of the Kingdom. Actually, um, they won't count this. But Lethal Company? They won't count this because it wasn't a AAA release. I wrote but that down. Le- Lethal Company actually outsold Call of Duty. Yeah. But number three was Tears of the Kingdom? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it no was. Way. Yeah. Number wonder- four looks like Spider-Man 2. Oh, awesome. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. And there was tons of great paintings this year, I'm sure, but it's hard to like, those to aren't as publicly ready most. as like <laughs> yeah. movies and music, but we appreciate those as well. Um, holy frick, what a year. What a year. You want to do a little lightning round? Yes. Just take turns saying uh-huh. the art that we appreciated? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I discovered Arcade Fire this year and I love them. Oh, I forgot. Oh, Asteroid City. Oh, Wes love Anderson. City. Loved it. The Last of Us TV show. <gasps> That's a good one. Um... This one's harder for me. I like yeah. don't have a brain when that's we okay. do this. Hey, that's okay. All right, how about you just list them? Um, let's see. I I mean, I knew about her before, but I really got into Eliza Ivanova this year. Her stuff is She's just great. absolutely amazing. I'm trying to think of all of our topics. I have some topics that I want to say that I really got into this year and I'm really excited about, but I can't because I'm going to cover them on later episodes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just a couple more. Did I already say The Last of Us TV show? Yeah, you literally just said that. Okay. <laughs> Spider-Man 2? Um, you didn't play Spider-Man 2. You don't know that. Uh, <laughs> the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, that was good. Yeah. Didn't Puss in Boots come out this year? No, that was last year. Oh, well, it was amazing. Yeah. 8-Bit Big Man's new album was really good. Yeah, yeah. Hey. <laughs> That's all I can remember. That's all you can remember? Yeah. Hey, either way, great year. Great year. An amazing year for art and for movies, for games, for... Music. It just feels like it's just going to keep getting better. Yeah. Dune 2 is coming out next year. Oh, I forgot about Dune 2. (laughs) I like Dune 2. So. Yes. Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us on our 2023 journey, the very first year the gallery existed. Yeah, we're we're, we're grateful for everyone that tunes in and resonates with it. And we look forward to another amazing year filled with just incredible art. And we can't wait to share it with you. Bye. Bye. Bye.